You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. All right, this time with feeling, we are the 3DMs podcast. Apparently, the first 40 minutes we recorded just didn't count. So, take uh, two. Take two. This time with feeling. I'm Jake. Nacho. Yep, Nacho's here. Paul's not here. He's with uh, moderator Fado. They're at Colossal Con. We're going to see a bunch of cute pictures. It's going to be really fun. I'm going to be talking really fast because we need to try to jam that 40 minutes we had already done into 20 minutes. So, let's go. Uh, Friday, we just found out. Boom, new D&D book. We got Dragon Heist, uh, Waterdeep coming out. Level 1 through 5. It's coming out September 18th. It's going to be 50 bucks. Uh, let's read the... And since all of you missed it uh, the first time, Jake said Seth member. Oh, God, you're never going to let it die. No, we, we have to let our fans know. Well... Yeah, we, we, we don't think or do anything really well since we don't have Fado uh, yeah, or Paul keeping or us in Paul check. To- yeah, they're they're the smart people on the show. We're, we just kind of exist. I just talk and organize. Anyways. Yeah, Paul's the thinker, Jake's the talker. I just sit here and look pretty. You are very pretty. Anyways, uh, from the back cover, uh, this is what we're looking forward to. Uh, famed explorer Volothamp Getarm needs you to complete a simple quest. Thus begins a mad romp through the wards of Waterdeep as you uncover a villainous plot involving some of the city's most influential figures. A grand urban caper awaits you. Pit your skill and bravado against villains the likes of which you've never faced before and let the dragon hunt begin. Um, as we talked about for a good five minutes when we thought, our audio is working. Uh, we're really excited for this. It's supposed to be a very open role play heavy adventure in the city of Waterdeep, which is just amazing. Uh, the wards are all have always been really cool and varied in detail, and it's going to be awesome to do a like a proper heist, like a proper robbery in the city of Waterdeep. Uh, and then that brings us to the second bombshell that Wizards dropped on us this weekend, and that would be. The excuse me. That would be the second book they announced, the Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Reading the back of that book. Uh, in the city of Waterdeep rests a tavern called the Yawning Portal, named after the gaping pit in its common room. At the bottom of the crumbling shaft is a labyrinthine dungeon shunned by all but the most daring of adventurers. Known as the Undermountain, this dungeon is the domain of the mad wizard Halister Blackloak. Long has the mad mage dwelt in these forlorn depths, sending his 
seeding his lair with monsters, traps, and mysteries to what end is a constant source of speculation and concern. This adventure picks up where Waterdeep Dragon Heist leaves off, taking characters a fifth level or higher all the way to the 20th level should they explore the entirety of Halister's home. 23 levels of Undermountain are detailed herein, along with the subterranean refuge of Skullport. Treasures and secrets abound, but tread with care. So, Waterdeep is... uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist is going to be coming out on September 18th, hardcover copy, and Dungeon of the Mad Mage is going to be coming out November 13th, $50, hardcover, Uh, and just to sum up everything we said before, uh, there this year there was supposed to be three different projects that came out. They were codenamed by Wizards, uh, Marathon, Broadway, and Catacombs. We found out that Tome of Foes, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, the amazing Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, because it's like my new favorite book. Uh, Nacho's going to make a joke about how I take it everywhere with me now. Yeah, uh, Jake takes it everywhere. Earlier. Exactly, I, I do. made a call that he took that he takes it to work. He almost took it to work the other I day. I almost didn't take it to work. Uh, so that was Marathon. Now, we haven't been able to get it confirmed, but it's possible that the Waterdeep books both consist as Broadway. We've been trying, like I've been looking at different sources, but I haven't seen anything concrete. If that info changes, uh, we'll let you know. But that could potentially mean that somehow, some way, they might be able to sneak one more book out before the end of 2018 um, with Mad King or Mad Mage. Sorry, with Mad Mage coming so close to the end of the year, I don't think it's going to happen. But, uh, you know, we played with that speculation train a little bit. Because this is this is now the uh, the Cliff Notes version of the Three DMs podcast. Uh, we're really hoping for so the things that it could potentially be would be another uh, DM slash player combo book. Uh, I'm kind of looking for. I'd like to see the return of the Book of Vile Darkness to Five E. Um, maybe even combined with the Book of Exalted Deeds was something we had discussed. And courtesy of Mike Merles is a uh, post. But when he was doing the lawn, we think psionics may be coming. Uh, he said he finished. Yeah, he finished figuring out psionics, um, which is exciting. Uh, if you like psionics, I'm personally not a fan, but we've already covered that on this show. Um, so that could possibly mean as well that there could be a Dark Sun campaign book. But again, I don't know if they're going to do another campaign book because with how like the way they like to do Adventurers League and, uh, you know, they really encourage and push Adventurers League to use the, you know, the made adventures. And with how long Tomb of Annihilation lasted in the Adventurers League play cycle. Now, granted, it was a very dense book filled with a lot of stuff to do in the wonderful land of Chult. I still just don't see them putting out like another adventure thing, but I could be wrong. They could just be like, Hey, here's dark sun. It could be something like sword coast adventurers guide a little bit. Um, just a lot of lore and some subclasses and backgrounds and things like that. But, uh, let us know what you'd like to see in the future. Like the next book coming out down the line. Uh, for me, it, I'd love to see vile darkness and some, you know, Evil NPC stat blocks and more things to really play with from the DM side of the screen. Uh, I want Eberron. Paul wants Warlords. Yeah. I mean, it's... 
we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know if Paul is ever going to get his, his dream of getting the warlord, but who knows? Who knows? Who Anyways, knows? Paul might have a very happy Christmas if it comes out. And that's, that's what everybody wants. Okay. So <laughs> I love how fate is almost conspired to not let us do centaurs. But first, before jumping back into our conversation we were having about centaurs, uh, we here at Podcast Detroit finally have ad reads. And so we can pay for studio time by reading some ads. And so if you were to successfully pull off a Dragon Heist, you'd have, you know, Dragon Heist, you'd have a enough money. You'd have a lot of money, a charming, a incredible amount of money. But you know what you wouldn't have? Nacho, do you know what you wouldn't have? What? You wouldn't have credit relief. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't seem to stay ahead of your bills, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, credit, the ad read ran away from me again. Oh, no, it's happening again. All right, that's it. I'm about to nail this bad boy. I'm sorry, this week's a struggle, boss. Yeah, I know. No, just watch. I'm about to crush this. If you can't seem to stay ahead of your bills, then this message is for you. How would you like to have a large portion of your credit card debt, medical bills, and department store debts forgiven? National Credit Relief would like to give you a free information on proven debt forgiveness program. This program has been used by thousands to legally forgive millions in unsecured debt. It's not bankruptcy. It's not consolidation. This special program actually wipes clean a portion of your debt that is forgiven from what you owe to your creditors. Call for free information and get all of your questions answered in the first call. The more you owe is the more you can get. The more you owe, the more you can have taken away. Oh, script jumped on me. The more you can save. If you have at least 10000 or more in credit card bills, this is this debt forgiveness program can be very effective. Call for free information and find out more. 1-800-218-7170. There is no cost or obligation for the information. Don't wait. Call 1-800-218-7170. That's right. Call 1-800-218-7170. Get your debt problem solved. Call 1-800-218-7170 today. Kent said he liked the lead in where I wasn't paying attention. I know, right? <laughs> Okay, guys. I'm, I'm trying to moderate comments, and it's not working too well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's man. <laughs> Fatal comeback. Fatal comeback. You can blame it all on me. Now they're having a great time at Colossal Gun. Don't want to spoil that for him. Okay, so we were finally covering the Unearthed Arcana Centaur uh, and Minotaur stuff when we realized that we actually had no audio because the people who used the studio before us messed with the settings, which you're not supposed to do. So. So there's going to be a big, don't touch the settings. Yeah, game. there's there's going to be a big old uh, you know shouting match from Dave who owns the studios here. But uh, you know we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Let's get back to the centaur. So, um, oh, I can't moderate comments anymore. <laughs> it's a nightmare. This this episode's a nightmare. This is this is the Murphy's Law episode. This is everything going wrong. Technology is rebelling against us. Like I can't even pull up the centaur information right now. Uh, let's see if I have it saved. Uh, yeah, it's just coming we're, up as a we're, we're sorry. big old black screen on my phone. Well, here's the thing. Here's the important things that I remember. Uh, two strength plus one wisdom uh, for centaur creation. You get hooves as a weapon that do 1d6 damage uh, plus your strength modifier. Uh, you get 40 feet of speed, which makes sense because you're a damn centaur. Um... They talk about their alignment 
and it is, you know, it's mostly neutral. Uh, they have survival as a skill that they're automatically proficient in, which makes sense. You know, they run through fields and stuff all the time. They're supposed to be very nature-based. Uh, they can speak, read, write, common, and sylvan. Uh, hybrid nature, they have two creature types, both human and monstrosity, and can be affected by anything that would affect either humanoid or monstrosity. And then there's equine build, which makes it so climbing is more difficult for them. And... Uh, they can use one size larger as a carrying capacity. So as we were talking about when we realized that our audio wasn't working. Um, Not only can you make your Cavalier useful by being his trusty mount, you can also make that sweet, sweet centaur rogue. That sweet, sweet centaur rogue. That sweet kind of impractical centaur rogue that it just it, – like it's both such a bad idea and such a good idea that I kind of want to do one. Because you could just sit there, throw little booties on, and sneak around. But you're half horse. <laughs> half horse or half whores? Why not both? Was that a Freudian slip? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're, we're a train wreck. Yeah, a little but bit. I think that's why you no, guys just, like us. You know what? Just we're not even going to address how bad we are today. We're just gonna we're just gonna shovel on through. So. Overall, Jesse says, let it go. Yep, just let it go. Uh, overall, though, uh, Centaur looks like a really strong build or looks like a decent PC race uh, for Barbarian. It could be really good uh, fighter and just being the Cavalier because you don't need a mount or you're a Centaur that rides another horse somehow. I know that wouldn't work, but just... Put a Centaur on a Centaur because <laughs> doesn't it say medium or smaller creature? Medium or smaller creature, and they do technically count as medium, even though they're big. I mean, if I, you know. The centaur it, tower of power. Well, if you were to tell me as a player, if I had two players playing centaurs, and they're like, I'm going to ride the other centaur, I would tell you no. Get the hell out of my house. <laughs> but. It's technically allowed. Technically it's allowed, but. It, it, it depends on how much rules lawyering you want to do. Yeah, and. I'm not big on the whole the DM just putting down the I'm the DM I'm right you're wrong you know just putting the dick stick out there but on centaurs riding other centaurs yes I will th I will put the dick stick down but how else are you going to get baby centaurs it's a different kind of riding nacho don't you twist it don't you don't you just don't you just provoke me today you know what? fine I'm, there's there's I'm, no Paul I'm going to make a centaur druid going to wild shape into a warhorse Fight as the horse and then say, surprise, I'm only half a horse. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have another half of the UA to cover and we have so little time. I think I think Dave will be okay with us going 20 minutes over today because of uh, shenanigans. So let's talk about Minotaur really quick. Um, 2015, Minotaurs appeared as a playtest option. Um and they they tweaked it apparently, and these are I do like that they actually specifically list here in the little fluff before uh, they go in. These are Minotaurs who have avoided the demonic influence of Baphomet. Baphomet is the demon lord of Minotaurs, uh, one of my favorite demon lords. Uh, he was in Out of the Abyss and obviously reprinted in Tome of Foes, uh, and he's just a big old dude with a big old like mace axe thing. 
and he's also a minotaur and he just looks completely terrifying and it's great and he has a bunch of really cool powers including turning off gravity which i appreciate because it's a sweet ability well gravity's a crutch yeah well he, in the, it's uh it's how he likes to attack people who uh use that fly spell and they're like haha i can't get me and then he turns off gravity and he's like look who can fly now too you call him a demon lord i call him a hero because gravity just keeps a stone <laughs> oh really we're gonna are we gonna play that are we gonna play that yeah. game yeah okay all right well let's talk about minotaur traits um they get plus two strength and plus one constitution bingo bango they're good at taking a punch to the face and punching people in the face um they lean towards lawful alignments apparently uh Let's see. Size, they average over six feet in height. They have strong, stocky builds. They are medium. Um, 30-foot walking speed. They have a horn natural weapon attack, which if the PDF would like to load. There we go. Uh, It does 1d6 plus strength. They have a charge ability as well as a centaur. That is one thing we forgot to cover. Uh when we relaunched centaur does have a built-in charge ability that allows it to, if it hits with a weapon, they can use this once per long or short rest. I believe it allows a crit, basically a doubling of the damage dice. Yeah. You just have to run 20 feet towards them, swing your weapon, roll the damage die twice. And you could do as Jesse says in the comments and have bows, lances, dual wielding short swords, and then just stomp on them because you're a centaur. You could do that. (laughs) You are the factory. Um, now let's see. Goring Rush, immediately after you use the dash action, this is as a Minotaur, immediately after you use the dash action on your turn, you can move at least as far as your speed, and you can make one melee attack with your horns as a bonus action. Hammering Horns is another special ability they have. Immediately after you hit a creature with a melee attack as part of the attack action on your turn, you can attempt to shove that creature with your horns by using your reaction. The creature must be no more than one size larger than you and within five feet of you. It must make a strength saving throw against a DC equal to eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your strength modifier. If it fails, you push it up to five feet away from you. That ain't bad. That ain't good, but it's it's a thing. Um, it's you know it's like a free monk ability. That ain't bad. Menacing. They are they come with a built-in intimidation, as they should. Hybrid nature, uh, same thing as centaurs have. Uh, it is you have both humanoid and monstrosity type. And languages, you can speak, read, write, common, and minotaur, which I like to think it of makes sense. I mean, I know, but I just, you know, minotaur is just cow noises. Moo. Moo. Um, so that is one thing I really like about that, though, is that they – differentiate uh, b- uh, from Baphomet. Uh, Baphomet. Blah, blah, blah. Doing it again. They, uh, they, they set these Minotaurs apart from Baphomet, which was something I was kind of curious about because they had just, like Tomophos and Centaur Minotaur came out at, like, within a couple of days of each other. And to have that difference between Demon lords, because that's literally it's literally in Baphomet's description. He's like he rules over and like controls all minotaurs, and he's just a super minotaur, a super evil super minotaur who does weird super minotaur things like running through mazes and eating people. Uh, 
So I don't know if they're trying to make them the waterborne adventurers, kind of like they did with the two, 2015 playtest stuff. Uh, but I guess it's, you know, if you're a DM and you got a homebrew setting and it's wherever you want to put your civilized minotaurs. Yeah, you want to introduce minotaurs? Sweet. Just send them in on a boat. Now, that being said, though, my, like, if I'm going to, I'm going to play Paul's job today of being Commander Contrarian and just, like, nitpick a little bit here. Good, because I don't know that word. <laughs> and you're the one with a college education. Um, I don't understand why we keep getting these massive towering races added to the game. Um, so at this point, we have Goliath, we have Minotaur, Centaur, Warforged, if Warforged ever shows up, is probably going to have a stat block similar to this, um, or kind of like similar in the respect that it's going to have like a strength bonus and a constitution bonus, um, or they might even do like human stat bonuses with it, um, but they're just like... I'm sick of seeing these large races or like large adjacent, I should say, races being added. Well, everything's bigger in the Forgotten Realms. I know, but they – it just like they all – to me at, le- at least, they all occupy the same like kind of territory in my brain. Like Goliaths and Minotaurs can basically – like are basically do similar things. Uh Especially the 2015 Goliath, or not Goliath, I should say, Minotaur. Um, they had like almost identical stat blocks, like with the extra carrying capacity and uh, counting for large when they count, want to count for large and counting for medium when they count for medium. They've kind of scaled that back and done things a little bit differently going forward. But it's, you know, and they, but they did it with Centaur. You know, they can carry large and heavy things, and they're supposed to be big, even though they're, you know, not large creatures. Like, between them, Goliaths, um, Dragonborns kind of have some of the same problems, but not really. Um, there's just, like, how, how am I supposed to fit, like, eight different giant-ass races in my setting? And this isn't even in a, including... In a, in a battle royale. And this isn't including just, like... These are player character races. Like, I still have to fit orcs, hobgoblins, giants, trolls. Like, there is not enough room for all of these big-ass things. <laughs> well, I think it might just be everybody eating their Wheaties. Like, yeah, they, they do fill the same roles for the most part. But I think that's just to uh, create a little bit of variety for players that say, hey, I want to play a barbarian or I want to play a fighter. Instead of just sticking to half orc, dragonborn, or variant human, hey, here here's a variety of options. I mean, there is a variety of options. You know, like yeah, we can use the variety yeah. argument, but it's still it's like for me as a person who has to write the world where all of these things have to exist. It's in how is there a way that all these societies work and have enough space without stepping on toes because one of the one of the hardest things I ever had to do as a DM was I had a player who wanted to play Goliath when Goliath came out in Volos like they wanted to play Goliath so bad and I had to find a way to add Goliath to my world setting and they were not happy with the way I added Goliath and I'm like you know my options here were pretty limited in adding a giant warlike race when I've already got 
orcs who I've described as a giant warlike race because I like my orcs to be supersized. I don't like fun size orcs. I like big orcs. Yeah, for me, when I have issues figuring out, okay, how am I going to fit them in? It's like, sweet. They're just going to be in smaller areas. Just like, yeah, you're up in the mountains. You're out in the forest and just small communities. But at the same time, though, it's that, when, that when my entire yeah, when my entire setting was already fleshed out, and like I had everybody living where, and it's just like, and now I have to pick a random mountain that uh, oh, uh, there's been Goliath there the whole time. I guess. Well, that's because you prepare, I wing it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Now, so we, it, we, if you prepare your world and flesh it out, you may have issues with it. If you're like me and you're like, you know what, I'll, I'll just do the cop-out. Just Yeah, it's a small community. Now, that being said, though, I think they're perfectly good stat blocks. And depending on how you have your world set up and you want centaurs to be a playable race, you can have it. You know, they're fine. Like, they're airtight. They look like there wouldn't be much changed. The only thing I could maybe see getting changed would be um, charge getting slightly downgraded. Uh, like maybe to just one damage dice instead of just doubling the dice because as we said earlier before we found out about our technical issues, like well, that's just the weapon die. So yeah, but that's still like if you're a greatsword, that's yeah forty six instead of two d six. That's half a fireball for free. Um, you know, and other weapons like that. You know, to you're doing you're doing crit damage. You know, um. I guess if I were to just like maybe bring it down a bring it down a scotch, so I you can keep crits as special. Um, maybe I would do either say if you're doing a great sword, just add one extra d6 instead of two d6. And if you were doing say let's say great axe, um, instead of adding an extra d12, you add like a d6, or you just add half of whatever the normal damage die would be. So say you're charging with. Uh, Let's say spear. It's a D8, you know, add a D4. Uh, it ain't perfect, you know, because if there's a D6 weapon, there's not really a D3. You know, you can just roll a four and hope it's, you know, take out four. Yeah. But I don't know. That's like my only, or, I guess. Or you can just make it roll one die higher. Yeah. A lot of ways to play with it, but overall, though, I think they're good. Um, so... Going into the last bit of our show, because, sorry, we lost... <laughs> 40 minutes? Yeah, we lost 40 minutes due to um, stuff that wasn't even our fault, which is, like, a good feeling. I feel justified. I feel free. Um, we want to talk about centaurs and minotaurs actually in the game from the Monster Manual. Uh, we Let's see if I all discussed it. on the way out here, obviously, that... Uh, yeah. Sweet. Hold it right Another up. monster who doesn't get a whole lot of usage and a whole lot of love. Maybe maybe it's different in your games, but in uh, games that I've played in, because I have a completely different use for centaur, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I ain't seen a whole lot of love for the centaur in most games, which is a shame because centaur are absolutely terrifying. I think I've seen a total of three centaurs in games I've played. Yeah. 
see, it's a shame because this is the second campaign setting uh, or in my campaign setting. This is the second campaign in a row where you are on the other side of the continent where there isn't centaurs and the nightmare fuel that my centaurs cause. Uh, so let's just break them down really quick. Centaurs come in the monster manual as just horseshit strong. They're also way faster. Uh, they've got... 10 more movement foot speed than the player centaur would get. So they have 50 movement speed instead of 40. Because they're free range. Yeah. They're <laughs> they weren't what? They weren't cooped up as a kid? Yeah. They weren't put in a little. <laughs> they, they weren't sent to adventuring school. Oh, jeez. Uh, their charge ability is less broken, though. Um, it just allows them to do an extra 3d6 piercing damage with their pike. But I would actually, if I were uh, running them as a monster, I would substitute it out for the new rule. Normally when I just do like a charging attack, my kind of house rule thing is it's uh, you get advantage on the attack roll because you're running at people. Uh, But let's just go over what they got really quick. So they got their hooves. Um, Their hooves do way more damage than the player centaurs. Uh, 2d6, so their hooves count as a greatsword. They got that longbow. And they have their pike. And there is the little bit of, you know, reading and lore and all that stuff. But I want to invite you to go with me here on a bit of a journey. And I want you to take all that lore that they have and just throw it the hell out the window. Like, look over your shoulder, take it, and throw it out. Because centaurs are not supposed to be neutral good like this book would tell you. Centaurs are meant to be dicks. Centaurs are supposed to be terrifying. In Greek mythology, there are two good centaurs, and every other centaur is a massive jerk. And they're all the red shirt centaurs, too. Like, the centaurs that have names, they're cool. Like, if someone goes, oh... Chiron, it's good to see you. Yes, he's a named centaur. He's if, if it's a random centaur, they're here to do bad, unspeakable things. I took in my setting, so I took centaurs, and I combined them with uh, the Mongols of the real world, the Khans, if you will, and I just kind of put them on a great plane because I figured that sounds absolutely terrifying. Let's see how that would work in the mind's eye and, you know, how that would compare to everything. And yeah, the idea of centaurs as raiding marauders who just take cities and just, they do what the Mongols did. through the fields. Yeah. They just take everything. Oh my God. They're such, they're such good enemies, especially, you know, so the regular centaur only has 12 armor class (laughs) and that's based off its dexterity. Um, It has no actual armor. Uh, if you just start playing with the stat block a little bit, putting plate on these things, start giving them lances. Give, give it some barding. Yeah, give it, you know, just plate and, you know, barding and all the other things that you you would think a centaur would have, like a heavy skirmisher centaur. And then other centaurs moving around with uh, bows and running in circles and just peppering things with arrows. Oh, my God. They make such terrifying strike squads. They're going to be able to outrun your party because they're 50 50- – their 50 feet of movement is just like it's a little bit bigger than 30 yeah a little bit or 35 i think for elves yeah 35 for elves but even then they're not going to be able to outrun for long um and they just make 
like looking at everything else in the book, you know, other than stuff that has like Misty Step or a teleport option or anything like that, they just make such good ambush guerrilla fighters that if you set them up in your campaign setting as evil, oh, they can just they can make your players paranoid. I did have one campaign that I did where they actually had to deal with the centaurs a lot, and they got really sick of my centaur bullshit in the best way possible. They got nervous. Like it got to the point where they were literally like traveling, you know, we had the overworld map and it's like, where are you guys gonna go? They literally like we're gonna take an extra three weeks to go through the mountains where the centaurs can't mess with us the entire time instead of just taking the one-week road through centaur country. Until you get that centaur wizard that starts giving them all flight. <laughs> nah. They they, they, uh, they ain't trained in them magics. They just got druidic magics in my setting. Damn. Ain't no dragon wants to hang out. Like, a dragon tried to talk to the centaurs once, and they were just like, arrows. The dragon was like, nah, fuck them. There goes our one F-bomb for the day. Uh, oh. We burned it. Yep. Wasted it. We should have used it when the audio was out. Yeah, probably. We got about eight minutes left, Nacho. So let's go to Minotaurs really quick in the book. Uh, let's see how close I am. But, uh, Kuatoa. Lamia. Nightmare. Mimic. Mind Flayer. Come on. There we go. Yeah, it's right there. Close. So, the lore is very good for Minotaurs. They're really like they're really solid monsters. I'm just I'm not even going to sit here and like try to give you some cute new way to use centaurs in a better way or Minotaurs in a better way. Just add them more. They make great encounters. Um, one thing I would love to see them actually change because uh, here, even in the lore, there's a little bit about how. Uh, they become minotaurs, and a lot of it has to do with uh, Baphomet. Like, just just change them to demons already, or give them, you know, maybe a slightly different type. But they're, you know, it's implied that they're all created due to a ritual that has to deal with Baphomet. Um, minotaurs should be, like, if you're going to use a minotaur more successfully, more sexily, I guess. Um, fine odd ways to make a labyrinth like a good example of a labyrinth that isn't a labyrinth but is totally a labyrinth is a ruined city um you know a city that was you know hit by an earthquake or plague and everybody just kind of left and then you know seven or eight minotaurs set up shop because you know the way the buildings fell over and the streets became blocked and crowded and stuff it's become a maze just enough of a maze to work for us. Yeah. Because we are stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Well, they still, I mean, that's half of their ability is yeah. they can uh, figure out any path that it has traveled. Uh, it gain, it's got, you know, a bunch of great abilities for just, you know, getting right into the melee with charge and reckless. Uh, reckless at the start of a turn has advantage. It's the same as the barbarian reckless strike uh, or reckless attack or whatever, whatever it's called. Reckless something. But um, another really cool use of Minotaur that I've seen that I invite DMs and other people to steal is I've seen them in some settings turned into bounty hunters. I've, I've done that. Yeah, which is 
uh, a really fun way to, you know, put them like add flavor to your game is just have minotaurs just as a species of bounty hunters. And that's all because they like know exactly where they can travel and how to get back. And they're just good at tracking people down. Yeah. And then when one of your players is just sitting there stirring the pot, hey, sweet, this minotaur just picked up your bounty. Yeah. Teach them quick. <laughs> Go learn them real quick. All right. So. Oh, and their horns are also significantly better than the uh, player. Yeah, ones. and they also get another ten feet of speed over the uh, player one. They have forty speed, and, uh, forty feet speed, yeah, and instead of thirty feet. Two d eight for your horns. And interestingly enough, they don't speak Minotaur; they speak Abyssal. It's interesting. Yeah, like I said, it's interesting that like I don't know why they just weren't made into uh, demons. In this book, because that's kind of like the lore they have for them just implies that heavily that they're a demon. Uh, Jesse, I don't think there's a uh, terrain that's difficult for minotaurs. <sighs> no, they just kind of clompity clompity around. They just do everything. They don't have that horse body to drag behind them. <laughs> they don't have that awkward horse body to try to carry up a wall with just their hands. Because <laughs> that's still my favorite image that has happened today. Is just the idea of a centaur, like a centaur rogue, just looking at a wall and just goes, don't worry, guys, I got this. Put Takes his legs completely out of the equation and is just hoisting his massive horse ass up the wall as he, like, Rambo climbs up. Yeah. It's fun. So, final thoughts on Mintar Centaur. Nacho. I love them as creatures. For player races... It's like they're not the best, but they do have a lot of potential. It, it, for me, it's difficult because like that's another thing too and why I'm sitting here and just being a little negative on the Minotaur in terms of its race or like its status as a monstrosity and not a demon. I actually really dig the Baphomet lore and uh, that whole setup. I'm super into it and so maybe that's – it's probably why it's coming through. Why I'm kind of anti, uh, you know, the other Minotaurs, but it's to me, it's creepy. It's effective. Like they in the Monster Manual, they describe the ceremony that turns a human into a Minotaur, and it actually is. It's something that, like, if you were to describe it properly, have having your players walk into one of those, it's a really frightening scene. Especially if it's a low level party. Like if they're, you got three level twos and they somehow walk into a cult turning, you know, a guy into a minotaur. Yikes. That is terrifying for them, both in the, oh, wow, that was hard to watch. And then also the, oh, God, we're probably going to die respect. Uh, following that up with Centaur. Uh, any final thoughts on Centaur? I just want to make the Tower of Centaurs where they all just mount each other, but you won't allow it even though they are still medium creatures. Which yeah. Means they can't. No. Mount. So what is it? it? It's the Centaur Tower of Power yeah, the tower where of they power. can just endlessly mount each other as player characters. Yeah. And then you just charge you this have giant wall. You have 16 centaurs mounted on top of each other. Yeah. The one at the base, he'll have a great sword or a great axe. The second one has a lance to get that reach, and he's mounted so he can use that. Then all the rest of them are using their bows and throwing weapons. 
It's the ultimate siege tower. It's. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. You're only wrong because you know they did not intend for that to happen. That the rule was just not written well enough. Okay, that it it's it's peasant railgun. It's pun pun. It's you know it's dumb fun. Um, and it was just sitting right there. I know. I know. We didn't even have to dig for it. No, it's yeah, it's a fairly open exploit. Um, Overall, I think centaurs as the player race, if you have nice guy centaurs in your setting, cool. Um, I'm still very fond of having my centaurs being just massive jerks who like to sprint through the forest and pepper everybody with arrows and then just, you know, hit and run and guerrilla tactics and, uh, you know, just grind a party down because most people are used to, you know, their combats being like, and we're fighting until every, until one side is completely dead. Not with centaurs. They're always there. They'll show up. They'll sprint in. They'll pepper you with arrows really quick, and then they'll run away. Oh, and it turned out I misread Jesse's comment. He was talking about the centaurs. Uh, I think it was all difficult terrain. It counts for every foot of movement. It counts as an extra four feet. Um, it was just climbing. Oh, never mind climbing. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> they're horses with man upper halves like you know there's going to be a point where climbing becomes impractical and that's when it gets you know at about that level of verticality at about a good uh 85 degrees or so i'd like to argue kicking the hoof into the side of the mountain to get them supports and then we've all seen goats stand on vertical walls yeah but that's because goats are weird there's a reason that goats symbolize satan what if i want my what if i want my centaur to be part goat we're done with the show for today <laughs> this has been 3dm's <laughs> podcast i'm jake i'm not sure there will never be goat centaurs in my campaign you get the hell out of this room we're done we're done for the day we'll see you all <laughs> next week uh next week we're gonna have uh uh the dm's lair youtube channel come on the show uh it's gonna be pretty fun so please tune in uh, we hope to see you all next week. We record out of the Royal Oak Studios for Podcast Detroit. If you're in the southeastern, southeastern Michigan area and you want to start a podcast, it's as easy as hitting them up on Facebook or on the interwebs with an email. Go to podcastdetroit.com if you want to start your own podcast and you're in the southeastern Michigan area today. All right, we're done.